Hello everyone, welcome back to the Salem Witch Trials. We're now on the judges. So we're going to see who the judges were in it. And actually, we're going to look at who they were related to because it does make actually a really big difference. The persons were men eminent for wisdom and virtue. They went about their inquiry into the matter as driven unto it by the conscience of duty to God and the world. Written by Cotton Mather. On Thursday, September the 1st, 1692, the judges of the court of Oyer and Termina took a break from their official duties to celebrate the marriage of John Richards and Anne Winthrop. It was the first marriage for the bride, a daughter of the late John Winthrop, Jr. No less a figure that William Stoughton presided over the ceremony. Though no wedding list survives, one can guess at some of the likely attendees. As the Winthrop family had long awaited the marriage of Spinster Anne, much of her family was presumably in attendance, including her brother, Waite Winthrop, her sister Margaret, would have made the trip from Salem with her husband, John Corwin, and perhaps even a brother-in-law, Jonathan Corwin, another of her brothers-in-law, Peter Sergeant, lived in Boston. Bartholomew Gedney and John Hathorne may have been there as well. Gedney was an in-law of the Corwins, and Hathorne's late brother, Eliza, had been a business partner and brother-in-law of the Corwins. Samuel Seawall presumably also attended, for this family friend recorded the ceremony in his diary. The wedding was held at the home of Ezekiel Usher, a kinsman of the Winthrops through several marriages with the Tying family. This was shortly before Usher was accused of witchcraft himself. Remarkably, therefore, all eight of the remaining judges of the Essex County Witchcraft Trials may have been in attendance of that marriage. John Richards, Waite Winthrop, Samuel Seawall, Jonathan Corwin, John Hathorne, Bartholomew Gedney, Peter Sergeant, and Chief Justice, William Stoughton. Nathaniel Stoughton Hall was not in attendance, but he had quit the court several months earlier. This seeming coincidence is no coincidence at all, for the judges and their family were allied by their officers, by business connections and land speculation, and by kinship. These ties help to explain the behaviour of the court. Historians often dismiss the importance of genealogical research, consigning it to the realm of antiquarian and octogenarian. However, family ties explain so much human behaviour, and they were particularly important to the witchcraft judges. All of them were merchants. In a time before banks and insurance, trade, credit and risk operated on a very personal level. The most successful merchants were those with kinship connections in ports throughout the Atlantic world. Family members and business partners would pull resources to share in ownership of ships and overseas ventures, thus preventing a catastrophic loss by any one investor. Strategic marriages strengthened these business partnerships and solidified merchant networks. Collectively, the witchcraft judges represented the elite of Massachusetts, the political, military and economic leaders of the colony. 
their only trials have tended to have been overlooked. Historians have been inclined to focus on the conflict in Salem Village and the drama between the afflicted and the people they accused. Though magistrates in the 17th century New England played a more active role in court than judges did today, they were expected to practice some judicial restraint. In part, this was because they were elected politicians who possessed no formal legal training. By and large, they had succeeded. In the previous 30 years, 14 citizens of Bay Colony had been tried for witchcraft, with only one, Goody Glover, being found guilty and ultimately executed. And she had confessed to the crime. For a generation, magistrates had in fact been an important break on the general public's eagerness to prosecute witches, whom they feared and blamed for misfortune. Meanwhile, most judges grew sceptical about previously used ways of establishing that someone was a witch. Some even began to question the existence of witches. Yet, in 1692, the Salem judges would reverse course. Their participation in the trial shaped the outcomes, the conviction and execution of 19 innocent people. No matter how many accusers suffered what they believed were genuine afflictions or, alternatively, conspired to press dubious charges, no one would have died without the sanction of the judges. The judges of the court of Oya and Termina hold the answers to many of Salem's riddles. A closer look at them, both individually and collectively, as well as at their roles in their earlier trials, helps to understand their reversal in 1692. Any study of the judges should begin with Chief Justice William Stoughton. Historian Stephen Foster said Stoughton was the most cynical, disloyal, worldly and justifiably infamous graduate Harvard managed to produce in the 17th century, with the possible exception of Sir George Downing. He was born in England in 1631 or 1632, it's not clear, just before his parents' immigration from England, Dorchester. Massachusetts Staunton's father, Israel, was a community leader who served in the Pequot War and in the General Court before returning home to serve as Lieutenant Colonel for Parliament's Army in the English Civil War. He died not long after joining the army. After William graduated from Harvard in 1650, he too returned to England, where he served as a minister and received a master's degree in divinity from Oxford. He lost his Oxford Fellowship in 1660 with the restoration of Charles II, and in 1662 he came back to Dorchester and became a merchant. In 1671 he was elected to the General Court and soon began to be appointed to the important officers. During King Philip's War, he served as a commissioner for the United Colonies, trying to coordinate the war effort between them. He also became a judge, serving in county courts, and from 1676 to 1679, he served as an agent of Massachusetts Bay in London, working to preserve the charter and the colony's boundaries from encroachment. Soon after, he returned home. He was appointed major then in the Suffolk County Militia. When the Massachusetts Charter was revoked and the Dominion of New England established, Stoughton received a temporary commission as Deputy President, serving under his close political ally and business partner, President Joseph Dudley.
When Governor Edmund Andros arrived to assume authority, Stoughton served as a member of his council and a judge. Despite his siding with royal cause against Puritan Old Guard, Stoughton managed to maintain some of his reputation thanks to his willingness to quickly switch sides when Andros was overthrown. Yet he would not be elected or appointed to any office again until he was made Lieutenant Governor under the new charter in May 1692. Unlike his fellow judges, Stoughton had few family connections, and he had only one sister and he himself never married. Samuel Sewall was in many ways the polar opposite of Stoughton. As one can see from his diary, which he began keeping in 1674, and which is one of the most important historical documents of the period. Among other things, it indicates how central his large family was to his life. His parents were early settlers of Newbury, but they returned to England, where Samuel was born in 1652. They moved back to Newbury in 1661, after the restoration of Charles II, signalled an end to the rule of Puritans and Parliament in England. Educated at Harvard, Harvard, Sewell was destined for a career in the ministry until 1676, when he married Hannah Hull, the only child of John Hull, the silversmith and mint master, who was one of the richest merchants in Massachusetts. Sewell soon joined his father-in-law in business, though he maintained a deep spiritual life. Soon after Hull's death in 1683, Sewell assumed many of the civic responsibilities. He was first elected in the General Court's House of Assistance in 1684 and soon became a Suffolk County judge, as well as a captain in the Boston Militia. Samuel declined to serve on the council under the dominion of New England. Instead, he made an extended trip to England, where he aided increased mother in his efforts to restore the Massachusetts Bay Charter of 1629. Upon his return in 1690, Sewell joined Bradstreet's interim government to his old office of assistant, and he formally named to the council the new body that replaced the House of Assistants in the 1691 Charter, when Phipps and Mather arrived with the new charter in May 1692. So he went all the way back to England to get this charter changed, so he could bring it back to Massachusetts and show that it had been changed under the English law, because it was still run England still dominated the areas, basically. The Hulls and the Seawalls had been neighbours of Peter Sergeant until Sergeant built his spectacular new home in 1679. The Boston mansion was so opulent that it would later serve as a province house. The official residence of the governor. Born in London in 1647, the Sergeant was a member of the wealthy and influential clan of Puritan merchants. His first cousins, the brothers Sir William and Sir Henry Ashurst, were members of Parliament and aldermen of London. Sir William was served as a Sheriff and Lord Mayor of London, a close political ally of increased mother and Sir William Phipps. Sir Henry served as agent for the Massachusetts Bay Company and treasurer of the New England Company. As part of this kinship network, Surgeon pro- prospered massively it says I don't know how we don't say how but it says massively he did he migrated to Boston in 1667 where he represented the family business interests and also extended their connections his first wife apparently was Elizabeth Corwin 
whose father and brothers were leading Salem merchants. After her death in 1682, Sergeant remarried again and he uh, Elizabeth, the daughter of Henry Shripton, one of the wealthiest Boston merchants. Like Samuel Seawall, Sergeant was a strong supporter of Boston's Third Church, or what they would call the South Church, and its minister, Samuel Willard. Sergeant had no political career until he became one of the men who petitioned for governor, Andros's surrender in April 1689. He subsequently served on the Council for Safety, but played only a minor role in the interim government of Governor Bradstreet. He was appointed to the Council under the Charter of 1692, presumably thanks to his cousin Sir Henry Ashurst, who had helped Mather and Phipps secure the Charter. John Richards was one of the leaders of Mather's North Church. Born in the English county of Somerset in 1625, when he was first five, he migrated to Massachusetts with his parents and siblings. He followed in his father's profession as a merchant, and in 1649, he purchased Arrowsick land on the Kennebec River from the local Native Americans and established a trading post on it. While he lived there, his neighbours, the Phippses, gave birth to their son, William, the future governor of Massachusetts. In 1654, Richards sold his main property and returned to Massachusetts, living first in Dorchester, later in Boston. Perhaps he returned to Massachusetts because about this time his widowed mother was under suspicion of witchcraft. She was never prosecuted, thanks to her minister, who came to her defence. A successful merchant, Richards also served a number of terms as a member of the House of Deputies, including one year as Speaker. This office was followed by long service as an assistant. In 1680, he was appointed trustee for the Society of Propagation of the Gospel in New England, and the next year, the Bay Colony sent him to London as a commissioner to defend the Massachusetts Charter, a major in the Suffolk Militia. Richards was appointed as a judge under Dudley, but did not hold office under Andros. He had strong ties to Plymouth Colony. One brother-in-law was Thomas Hinckley, the last governor of Plymouth. Under the 1691 Charter, Plymouth Colony became a part of Massachusetts Bay. So Hinkler became a member of the Council of Massachusetts Bay under that new charter. Another brother-in-law was the son of Governor William Bradford, the leader of Plymouth. And, of course, Richards married the sister of Wade Winthrop during the witch trials, thus allying himself to the first family of Massachusetts Bay. And that's the first part of the judges in the English witch trials. And what you're going to realise is through this, is um, when you realise who the judges are related to and <laughs> the people who were accused and the people who were apparently afflicted, you will sort of see that it's important to note most of the judges' families were safe. Absolutely. Um, and it was out of the circle where you generally weren't safe. But if you were in that circle, you were pretty much safe from being accused. And that's just facts. If you look at family lines, that's where it shows. 
Thank you for listening to this episode of the Salem Witch Trials and many blessings.